Hello, and welcome to episode two of the Baby Metal Podcast. It's December 9th, 2018, for most of us here as we record. Uh, the podcast is a place where we gather on something like alternate weeks to discuss news and thoughts on the past and future projects of Baby Metal. Uh, we invite you to join us, whether you're a longtime fan or have only just arrived. I am Paul, and I am joined by Kevin. Hello, everyone. And Garrett. Hello. And Vars. Hey. All right, so uh, we have made it to episode two, and that uh, we're recording this actually just after the last known scheduled live appearance that we have of Baby Metal. So they've just finished playing in Australia, and we will start talking about these things. Uh, so the first thing I think we can talk about is the date that they just played in Singapore. Uh, they went, uh, they opened for Judas Priest December 4th at Zep at Big Box. Um, and so that was, that was basically the first, the first thing that they did after, after the Japan shows. And they played relatively short set. Um, but so just so we can, just so I'm not the one doing all of the talking, uh, what, what thoughts did you have about the, 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 um, Singapore set? Oh, and I would like to say also, just as a preview that I'm planning to talk after this about the number of members that there were. <laughs> so just sort of more specifically about just like Singapore and the show. Um, and we'll, we'll definitely be talking about, uh, the, the person who was in the third spot. I was personally interested they played Metataro there. Yeah. Nice to see that back in the rotation. Excluding yeah. a, what, duet with Darth Vader? Yes. Right, exactly. I guess they'd, you know, they'd rehearsed it for that, and so they had it ready. Elevator Girl 2 also made an appearance, which was somewhat surprising. That, that had never been in, uh, I guess, well, it showed up in the festivals, uh, but... Uh, it never had been in festivals before, and I wasn't expecting it in Singapore, but there it was. I was I was excited. It was a good set list, I thought. A little bit of new, a little bit of old. You said we're going to talk about the uh, the lineup a little later, but it, it was yeah, nice think... to see. I'll, I'll just say it was nice to see three. Yes, I agree. I think it's yeah, quite cool. possible we can't split this up. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I mean, so... Th one definite thing that I that I felt was there was a lot it was a pretty anxious year. It was a pretty down uh at least second half of the year. And I really did sort of feel like well, I got a little bit of this at the Dark Knight Carnival, but Singapore was really the time when it really felt like the mood shifted dramatically. That um uh they had they were back to three, you know, they there was someone in the third spot. And they didn't have any extra dancers. They, you know, played Elevator Girl, Mutatoro. They, you know, it just, it really sort of felt like we're back somehow. Yeah, and all the social media I'm involved with and people I know, I, I would agree with that assessment as well. Everybody that I saw was elated to see just three girls on stage. Definitely. And I think it was interesting that, I mean, uh, I wasn't expecting... I myself, I was sort of more, I was put into a better mood than I was expecting to be by something like that. I mean, like, I was surprised. <laughs> uh, if we were manipulated, we were well manipulated, I think. Yeah, just to set the expectation I had going into it, 
I was expecting to see a carbon copy of what we got in the U.S. and Europe with four people on stage and a similar setup. Sure, exactly. The other thing that was kind of cool about Singapore was that uh, we have, I assume most people know this, but they went to Singapore. They've gone to Singapore, I think, a couple of times, but there was a, a documentary that they made in 2012, I think, uh, when they went you know, very early. It might have been, I don't know if it was their first abroad have, show. It might have have been. they gone a couple of times? I thought that was their first time back since. Well, I... there was some sort of anime fest or something that they went to, oh. um, which I think was different. Um, I think this, but I, but I think their first sort of headline thing, I might have it wrong, but at any rate, right, right around in that early area, uh, they went and there was a documentary that had at least a little bit of them going around town and like, going into like getting pictures by the fountain and stuff like that. Uh, and so a lot of people had a lot of fun going, you know, the, the fans who knew this documentary inside and out got to go and revisit all those places and sit in the booth where they ate the noodles and, you know, uh, get a picture by the fountain and get a picture with the little light up pens. And somebody, at least one person I know bought the same pen. They still sell that pen yeah, in the same crazy. shop. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty beautiful. Write that down real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. In fact, actually, somebody mentioned that uh, when they were when they went into the store, the storekeeper knew like what all the things were that they were going to want. You know, you want this snow globe, you want this pen. That's incredible. <laughs> Apparently, I mean, this person had actually worked there. You know, since the uh, documentary was recorded originally. Makes me wonder if that's almost common for fans in that region to make a pilgrimage to be so prepared. Yeah. Well, I, I know if I were there, I would make that pilgrimage, you know, Absolutely. even if there was not a show. Absolutely. So now there's a big concentration of people, but so that's quite cool. And we saw a couple of, couple of photos that resulted from that. But I think, I think there was, from what I understand, there was a, you know, at least a one set of people who were making a big effort to, really replicate some of the photos and the shots and things from the documentary. And at some point we'll get them kind of uh, assembled and see them. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. So um, anyway, and one other thing that we might've hoped for from the Judas priest show was some collaboration. There was a photo that was taken, I think, I think after the show uh, might've been before, but at any rate, it had, it had the members of Judas priest and the, you know, the performing, you know, the girls in baby metal. Or if girls is still appropriate, I don't know. But at any rate, the the you know the three it's front tough. people. <laughs> um, but there was no there was no you know breaking the law, collaboration or anything like that. And we kind of knew there wouldn't been that would not have been that. But uh, but it's still a little bit disappointing because they did seem like they were very uh, supportive of one another. Yeah, Rob has said on multiple occasions. Well, at least not said, given praise to the baby metal, right? Right, indeed. And actually, there was a, this isn't directly related, but there was a pretty hilarious little self-video that he made of himself with this, I don't know what it is, some sort, oh, of, some yeah. sort of like hat, rabbit hat or something rabbit that he was wearing. Thing. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. If you haven't seen that, definitely go find that. It is hilarious. Why, Rob? <laughs> but okay, so maybe maybe that's enough that I can we can actually just sort of talk about the return to three. Uh, so... That was that was one of the big surprises, really, in a way, the of the, the Singapore show was that 
there were three there were three people up there and the third person was fairly soon identified as Saya Hirai uh I think you know fairly soon after the show that she was one of the many people that was in the uh in the you know larger group at, in the Japan shows uh I think she might have been the one that was sort of in the spot that Yui was in that's uh, what I heard Japan as well. shows so which would make some sense cuz then she would not she would not need to have uh, learned new things but I, I don't think I'd be totally opposed to keeping just her around instead of going back and forth with seven and four members at a time like just stick it with three and keep her in if Yui can't be in there just keep her yeah so and uh and thus begins the you know, yes the speculation the great speculation congratulations so, you just hijacked the rest of the episode <laughs> worth <laughs> yeah. but of course yeah so so uh, there, there is a chance that someone might listen to this sometime deep into the future when all things are known uh but at this point what has happened of course is that once she was identified i might i'm not actually certain myself that they were intending for people to know who she was but uh they you know they made her up fairly heavily and stuff like that but people figured it out and they probably knew that someone would figure it out uh but then as soon as it was as soon as people knew who she was then people dove deep and found you know all kinds of stuff and like fell in love within 18 hours <laughs> <laughs> as only this fan base can do <laughs> right <laughs> so i mean i think it, i was pretty pleased with the fact that there wasn't i didn't see i pretty much saw nothing negative um i mean there was lots of negativity all the way up until that moment when the singapore show happened and then suddenly everybody's like oh yes we love her yeah i'd go so far to say as that's the most excited refreshed and i'm i'm i don't know afraid to use the word normal but i'm going to use the word normal that i've don't seen the, word normal. <laughs> the fan base that i'm around since well since heck by fox big fox festival last year i felt it too <laughs> dude yeah no i uh you know there's i think there's reason to be cautious about uh the identity of saya as a proposed third person i mean like we we know that she was one of the dancers and she was probably hired to be a dancer but they might you know it might well be that we are being introduced to the new person but it might also be that they're just working out the three and i i think you know visually she seems perfect to this um, i agree but uh i think that, like we talked about last time there's always a question of whether somebody it's someone agreeing to do five shows or whatever it is you know that's one thing uh, someone agreeing to like get on board for the indefinite future is probably quite another, and probably not everybody would go along with that. You know, it's it's uh great. So, so we'll see. Uh, it could be that there will be somebody that we refer to as Saya Metal. It might not be. Uh, it and you know as you know as Garrett was saying, uh, it might be that the plan is for there to be some kind of rotation. Although I I kind of suspect that the fact that her role was the same throughout all of these shows suggests maybe not but well she had the makeup of other dancers she didn't match uh sue and moa right all right. signs pointed to her not being an equal and I, I hate to bring up the lore and whatnot but you have to remember that what, what i don't remember the exact wordings but the fair phrase what it said was the chosen seven can appear in any form in any number at any time or something like that so it's entirely possible we're just seeing 
one of the chosen seven at this particular time. Could be. It could be. Actually, the, there was a piece of that that I hadn't quite connected in my head before that uh, I'm only just sort of thinking of now. But yeah, I mean, I, I suppose it's I suppose that is possible. It definitely is the I definitely sort of feel like the makeup and everything is and the makeup and the dead mic and stuff is really sort of supposed to make it clear that that she's different. Right. Um, but I guess the question the what I was talking about before, what, what I was thinking about before was the possibility that they might put somebody else in her spot. Um, and, you know, if there, if there is some kind of rotation, that's what I'm sort of suspecting. Maybe not, it maybe won't happen. Um, unless, unless, you know, unless I is done with this and says, you know, that was fun. Thanks for the opportunity. I'm going to go back to what I was doing. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, was she an 11 play dancer? Does anybody know? I, is that how we found her? I believe she was not. Okay. Um, that's kind of interesting in and of itself. Yeah. I, I think, I think you're right. I think it was, um, I'm saying right. Cause I'm reading the chat room. That's not very useful, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was another group. I don't think it actually has any direct connection to 11 play 11 play being, um, yeah. Mikiko's, uh, dance group. Right. If you don't know who that is, for those of you listening, the choreographer for baby metal has her own dance troupe called 11 play. And, the community did a great job identifying the two backup dancers from the U.S. and U.S. U.S. and EU tour as dancers from that group. Right, right. Yeah, so there is a, there's another group, um, and I'm you know I don't know how to pronounce this. I don't know what language this is even in, but Lavi and Link uh, was the group that uh, I think it's I think it's been through a couple of iterations, and uh, and I think it may be defunct anyway. But but that was that was who. Um, Saya, that was the group that Saya was in. So, okay. Uh, anyone else wanna wanna keep keep going at this speculative topic? Well, we can keep going around in circles all night if you'd like. Okay. I would. I would not like. <laughs> but but still, um, Vars, did you have anything that you wanted to add to this? You had you you will you will have I think a lot of talking to do in the next topic anyway. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, all I can say is that she's great on stage, and um, I hope she becomes a permanent member. Okay. Uh, so I think the the next thing that's uh, of relevance was after the Singapore show, we had the Good Things Festival shows in Australia, which were three shows uh, in Melbourne, Sydney, and Brisbane uh, on December 7th, 8th, and 9th. So really close together, actually. Uh, I mean, like, one day after another, they must have pretty much had to just immediately after finishing, start heading off to the next city. But so we are fortunate enough here to have someone who was at the very first Australia show. Uh, so, Boris, why don't, you, why don't you sort of tell us something about your impressions of the Melbourne show? Um, well, it was my very first Bay Metal show. It was a very, very long day and very, very hot day. Um, <laughs> so I, I stood... I. I went very early and probably stood at the barrier for maybe three or four hours waiting. And um, all, all I can say is that they 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 probably put on the best show at the festival. They just destroyed it. The crowd was insane. The mosh pits were insane. I think I nearly got killed in the mosh pit. I swear. <laughs> um, there was crowd surfers. There was oh god god they just. I just loved it. I loved every second of it. It was my very first show, and I will never forget that day. Honestly, it was great. That's pretty fantastic. Yeah, it 
it looked very hot, <laughs> certainly. And yeah. uh, the fan cams <laughs> revealed some of those crowd surfers in a well, very annoying way. Well, um, there's actually a picture that Good Things put up. Um, I don't know her name, but it was this Japanese girl who was dressed up as, I'm, I'm guessing, Yui or Moa. And uh, <laughs> I was standing at the barrier, and someone wanted to take a picture of her, so we swapped. And uh, she's, she, there's a picture of her that Good Things put up. You can see me in the picture as well. Uh, <laughs> and, um, yeah, that was before Bay Metal played. But, like, all the all the Japanese fans were just so dedicated like uh as soon as i got there they were already at the front waiting like they had all their shirts they were just ready ready for big metal to play and um all i could say is that all the kitsunes all the bands all the people i met uh would are just so generous and so friendly and just i felt like i was <laughs> i felt like i met my new family it was just so great that's really cool man yeah, I had definitely had this feeling when in you know when in the line for the show that I went to in the summer, it's it's you know there's a, a little bit of anxiety, particularly. So I imagine a lot of us have this kind of feeling where, where you know there's nobody in our immediate real life circle that that you know has any interest in any other stuff. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's it's quite it's weird to suddenly be dropped into this whole like group of people who are all like very excited about the same thing. It was so, crazy. It's a lot of fun. It is, it is kind of like an instant family and uh, you know, whatever anxiety you might have about going to a show in the future, uh, assuming whatever, uh, go. Yes, Especially yes. if you want, if you need to go alone, don't feel like you need somebody to go with you. I think that's what's really incredible about this fan base. And that was what struck me first when i showed up to my first line was how welcoming everybody is oh yeah definitely definitely i did go uh with a frequent member on the server um known as bm uh, bm down under please <laughs> and uh, uh -huh. i asked him like before this is like long before the shows and i asked him where he lived and he only lived like 20 minutes away from me so we decided to meet up the station awesome. and we got there and he's never been to a show before so i guess we sort of just guided each other and we hung out the whole time and yeah, it was, it was really, really great. How about the uh, extracurricular activities associated with going <laughs> to a baby metal concert? <laughs> yes. Did you partake? Uh, did you enjoy? Yes. So like the after party? Oh, well, after the show, I did hang out with some people. I got like a text from Lombax to hang out and uh, eventually they said, oh, we're going to the after party. And uh, I didn't know how I was going to get there. So they ordered Ubers and we all jumped in. And we got to this after party. It was um, it was started by this uh Australian girl called Rachel, at her house, and uh, they had like all the DeLoreans on, and they had like drinks, food, and everywhere, and everyone's just sitting there having fun. <laughs> and uh, it was just great. It was I I was so glad I went. Like I was going to stay for the offspring, but the humidity was really getting to me. So I was thinking about going to home, but instead I went to the after party, and it was so worth it. Like, everyone's just so, so much fun. Everyone wanted to talk to me. Uh, even some people, like, sat down next to me and w were talking for, like, an hour, for hours. And, yeah, it was just great. So great. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. And it's really cool that they that you didn't have to travel super far for this to happen. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, like, I didn't... I didn't know... I didn't know how... Uh, I don't have a lot of money, so I don't 
usually go to overseas shows and this when they came here I was just so excited. Like it felt like all these kitsuners were coming to my home and hanging out in my home. And also I found out there's a lot of a lot of uh, B metal fans in Melbourne that surprised me a lot. No, Time well, to start so coordinating meetups. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I, I, I do kind of wonder about the bands that played before Baby Metal, because, of course, if all the Baby Metal fans head for the barrier <laughs> immediately, none of yeah. their fans can get there. And they're well, gonna, our guys aren't going to give up any spots. Um, from what I saw, um, the, the good things had this sort of setup where it was stage one and stage two. So, like, one band mm-hmm. played as the other setup. And uh, we stayed at stage one because that's where Baby Metal was playing. And, um, for the most part, like we were like all at the barrier, like right at the front. But I'm pretty sure all the fans of the band were just in the mosh pit, like killing each other. And <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it was it was fine. Um, and the bands were really good. Like I actually did enjoy watching the bands before Baby Metal. So that was a plus. That's good because sometimes when they're playing with other people, the acts preceding them can be hit or miss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, the bands we saw at stage one was. Void of Vision and uh, Northlane, uh, both very heavy metalcore genty bands, so it kind of nice. set the mood for what was coming up. Yeah, and it did. And it, good things at least itself did seem to, uh, you know, they promoted. They, they actually some of the some of the baby metal um, fan group was was tweeted by them. You know, like as part of their own promotion. Uh, so they've been very supportive of baby metal throughout this this whole thing definitely like they even i even tweeted at them a couple of times and they retweeted my stuff so excellent you know i've definitely supported them they're great i love them (laughs) i hope they do another one next year so the yeah so this was this was there were three shows you went to the melbourne one on the first day and the uh so let's see it was i don't know if it was actually hotter but i definitely had the feeling that they were more caught off guard by the heat on the on the first day than on the subsequent days. Yeah, in Melbourne, the humidity was very surprising because we usually we we're usually colder than Brisbane and Sydney. Brisbane and uh, Queensland in general is a lot hotter than Victoria, so the humidity was a very very big surprise for Melbourne. Yeah, I I did I did sort of feel like you could you could see it that they were. They were surprised. <laughs> well, uh, the the water that was spread on us was bringing all the body heat, and uh, the flames from North Lane was really getting to was really getting to me. <laughs> no. I was sweating so hard that whole day. <laughs> so another thing that I thought was kind of interesting, comparing the the Good Things show. So for some reason, in the Melbourne show, they didn't have the backdrop. Um, I didn't notice that till I went back and looked at it again today. Yeah, I was but, thinking uh, that as well. Um. That was for all bands as well. I think it might have had something to do with the stages. I'm not sure, but they had like, all, like for all the bands, they had the backdrops in Sydney and Brisbane, but Melbourne there was no backdrops at all. Mm-hmm. I and didn't it, even realize that. It was actually a little strange because you can sort of see through it. It uh, you know, so there's like people walking around in the back and stuff. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, I was and I noticed this earlier earlier today. I was watching some of the fan cams, and I do find it a little strange. When you have a fan cam that's right at the barrier and you can see, um, you know, pretty much just the stage and the and the sort of security area, 
it's very weird because the security guys are just a lot of times they're just wandering around talking to each other or spraying people with hoses or whatever and you know it's sort of like they're not paying attention to this event <laughs> and it's it's a uh, you could you don't see anybody who is paying attention to the event you just see these like guys wandering around like it's no, no big deal yeah the security uh they were just walking around spraying everyone and and taking people out they just did not care what was happening on stage at all yeah i don't have that kind of restraint well i'm sure i mean that's kind of what you want in a security guy <laughs> <laughs> But it was kind of cool to see some of the, you know, there's a, a couple of, couple of little videos of them taking the stage from the back and things like that. I have one fan cam and it's just me screaming and crowd surfing and <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was insane. In fact, uh, I think my favorite mosh pit part of the day was uh, there's a video on, of it on Twitter and I posted it. I I didn't I wasn't the one that recorded it, but um. Uh, it was Rotor Resistance, where the, the big wall of death opened up and uh, everyone just smacked into each other. It was great. It, I'm, I was so happy to see that because I wanted Baby Metal to feel welcome when they came here. Yeah. As a wall of death veteran, I swear Baby Metal has the best ones. Oh, dude. You know what was crazy <laughs> to me? You know what was crazy to me, right? Like, I swapped uh, I swapped spots with that girl and I'm glad I did because she would have got crushed. Um, Where I was... The whole time, I was just getting crushed. <laughs> I was stuck yeah. in the mosh. Like, I was just getting destroyed. And uh, that Bay Metal had, like, the craziest crowd out of all of them. Like, North Lane had this sort of crowd that was sort of just punching each other in the mosh bit. But this one, Ew. Bay Metal, the whole crowd was just moving. The whole crowd <laughs> was just jumping. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't sit still for, like, one second without some dude just, like, coming up behind me and smacking me. Like, it was just, it was insane. Bay Metal are just insane. Hurt your neck, didn't you? Is that what you were saying? Uh, I think I hurt my neck from some head banging and uh, and the mosh pit. Yeah. <laughs> the, the morning I woke up, my neck was killing me. <laughs> That's how you know you did it right. Yes, yeah. it was so worth it though. It was so worth it. And so for us, us, you know, on sort of like r remote people, uh, there was uh, we were sort of sitting in the many of us were sitting in the one of the discords and. Uh, chasing fan cams around, you know, Facebook and Periscope and stuff like that. Uh, I managed to see, I think, uh, bits, well, maybe all, uh, pretty much all of all three shows as they were happening through sometimes kind of potato-y cams. But, uh, but that was that was actually a lot of fun too. Even though you know it's not the same as being there, you still ha you still feel like you're participating. The thing that gets me is that I. I honestly feel like fan cams, fan cams are great, but they just don't do it justice at all. You just, once you're in that crowd and once you hear how loud it is, like fan cams just don't do any justice. You just need to be in that crowd and hear it for yourself because every song just sounds great and the crowd is just going nuts the whole time. But most of the time, fan cams are people who can actually hold their camera and they're far in the back and it looks like the crowd is dead. But from where I was, the crowd was far from dead. Like I, I felt like I nearly died half the time. Yeah. <laughs> it was insane. All right, but yeah. So I, I mean, I don't think I have um, too much that I wanted to say. But you know, there, there were the three shows. Uh, this, I, my feeling was that the Sydney show, the Sydney show was great, uh, from what I could tell. I mean, like that was just spot on everywhere. Um, and the Brisbane show, I think I would have said is was maybe like great minus a hair <laughs> but interesting 
social media social media i think might disagree with you there paul i've heard a lot of people calling the brisbane show the best show of 2018 could be okay okay yeah well see and i wasn't there i was watching on fan cams brisbane i mean like so the thing about the brisbane show is that it's uh it also carries this kind of emotional weight of being that's it you know nothing else is scheduled that's the last show that we know that's going to happen and you know it's now over uh we know at least there's going to be a gap right so yeah. so it definitely uh this you know it's it's a little hard to watch that as it ends and they leave baby metal blues are real oh dude i was buzzing for days <laughs> i'm still wearing uh <laughs> I'm still wearing this uh, fan-made bracelet that has Bay Metal Melbourne 2018 on it, like uh, that I, that I received from the after party. I'm still wearing it because uh-huh. I'm still buzzing. It was so good. Excellent. Well, I thought you were threatening to like not take it off even for showering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool though. That is cool. Uh, okay. Is there anything else that uh, I, anyone wanted to say, Garrett? That you you have been unable to get a word in here. Um, have we identified the um the new guitarist? Oh, yes. right. Uh, yeah, he has been identified. Yeah, so I I, I skipped over that, but uh, Yusuke Hiraga is the name I have. Um, not somebody I know, but I think uh, from what I from what I've read, maybe you guys know this better, but um, from what I've read, he won a competition that Omura was judging or something like that. Uh, so they sort of, there was some previous connection. Oh, interesting. I don't know anything about him other than he was found and we found his name. Yeah. Nice. I'll laugh. I'll look into it. As far as I know, I mean, like it, it, it I think it sounded great. Uh, I think it sounded better than like, you know, some of the, some of the Japan shows. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. You know, each guitarist kind of puts their own flair on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and Definitely. it was, it was kind of refreshing to hear a new take on some of these songs we've all listened to thousands of times you know they're still the same songs but you know you can hear subtle differences and just kind of how they're played and almost how they're tuned during solos as well mm-hmm. yeah that's that's definitely where you can hear the differences i also kind of appreciate there being differences just because it it sort of solidifies my belief and ability to argue that the stuff isn't pre-recorded sure oh man it was so good. <laughs> they can't be destroyed it. Uh, <laughs> He's still so excited about it. <laughs> the distortion was, it. oh my god. The high energy was just, oh my god. I actually don't remember if this was true in the J- the Japan shows, but I definitely noticed in, I'm pretty sure in Singapore and definitely in the Australia shows, that at the beginning of distortion, they've changed it a, a little bit. There's this, there's this, like a... It's a little bit like the uh, beginning of what is it, Tale of the Destinies or something. There's this like radio static and the the whoa whoa woes are sort of fading out oh, in yeah. the background. It's not uh, the it's not the same as the other ones. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a different nice. build up. It. So I was wondering what it was. I was like, what is this? Give me chocolate or what's going on here? But give me chocolate already played, but uh, it was distortion. So yeah, yeah, and and that's the stuff that I imagine exists only for the concerts. I mean, that's probably not going to be on any released album that's you know we already know how this song starts <laughs> yeah the moral is get to a show it's the best way to experience the music dude dude yeah. do it now please <laughs> don't <laughs> well, miss it dude i'm so hyped <laughs> yeah whatever the next one is yeah okay um i think we can move on maybe to the the next thing which actually is also bars you will be relevant for this as well but 
So a while back now, uh, there was now I forget what it was, but it's it was on Black Friday in the in the U.S. the you know traditional day when which you buy everything. Um, they released the Distortion 12-inch vinyl uh, in a couple of different versions. So there was a a Japan version that they sold. I think Amazon and Code JP sold it, and you could get it from Asmart. Uh, and then there was a Record Store Day version that you could, in principle, only get by going physically to a record store and picking it up on that day. Uh, so, yeah, so that's, I mean, and, and so what it actually has, I think I've found this a little bit annoying uh, in a sense, is that what it has is two versions of Distortion. It's a 12-inch single with the album version of, or whatever we want to call it, the released version of Distortion on the front, and the download 2018 uh, live version on the back. But what else to say about that? I guess there's there's um the record store day edition is red, the and and there is a European one and a U.S. one. The only difference is the sticker that indicates you know where whose record store day it is. I guess, and the Japan one is black. So, uh, who has one? Me. I did not get a chance to get one. Unfortunately, being that it was Black Friday, I went out of town to visit family for the Thanksgiving holiday and couldn't find a record store local that did it. Ah. Yeah, I just got it just before this podcast, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's actually, of course, what I was referring to. We know that in here, I guess, but uh, that, that you just today picked yours up. Yes, and uh, I opened it up, and it's a uh, very, very beautiful red. Uh, I don't know if it's transparent. Or I, don't, I don't know the differences, but it, it's see-through, and it looks... Looks very, very nice. Like, photos don't do it justice at all. But did you play it? Well, I need to get a new stylus for my turntable, so not yet. (laughs) (laughs) Not yet. Yeah, I have. So I went out on, you know, I I determined that there was going to be a store that was likely going to have one. Uh, And, you know, basically it's a chain I knew they'd ordered at least more than zero. And this was their flagship store, so I went out. I think they were opening at nine in the morning, so I you know, made sure I got there at at least before then. Uh, I think I was only waiting about fifteen minutes or something, uh, and there was a little bit of a line ahead of me. But that store had exactly one. You know, I got in there, I went in, and I picked it up, and when I was done, there were none. You know, <laughs> so Jeez. it's it was wow. really a. I mean, I actually don't think that there really was much competition. Uh, but if there had been, you know, it would have been pretty risky. Well, yeah, my record store wasn't participating in the Black Friday one because, you know, I live in Australia, so it wasn't wasn't that big of a thing here. But um, my record store said, uh, do you want me to pick you up and see if we can get one? And I said, yeah, sure. And they'll be, they were able to get one, so don't think it was a very big release for uh, Record Store Day. Yeah, and I think it's still possible to, to buy them... Uh... Actually, in fact, there was actually an Australian store that was that was selling them, as I recall. I don't know if they're still available. So, so Garrett, you had uh, you said you said you had one. Do you have both of them? No, or? I do not have one. Oh, you don't. Okay. I really want one though. All right, I have. Well, uh, I have only two of them. Yes, you know. <laughs> only two of them. I, I, <laughs> only two of them. Two. I don't have just, the just, I don't have the European red one. But well, so I but I do have the so I do I have both the Japan one and the um. The record store day one and they do differ the cover art differs a little bit in that the japan one is kind of like a i don't even know how to describe it but it's it's not exactly in color it's much muted much more muted colors uh it's more like two-tone 
uh, whereas the Record Store Day one has more, it has the colors you're pretty familiar with from the digital digital single. Um, but one thing I noticed, and I don't know if this makes any difference, uh, but the red one, the red one has grooves that go pretty close to the center. I mean, like the main thing is the the grooves are are uh, not dense on the red one, whereas on the black one, there's this huge big blank space. You know, you have, there's the song, and then there's a, a long, just empty space after that. So the grooves are much denser on the black one, and I kind of wonder if that makes any difference. If there's you know if they're clearly not pressed from the same actual master, even if they're pressed from, even if they were made from the same wave file or whatever. But um, I don't know enough about records to know if the red one might be better, it might well, sound better. As far as I know, usually black vinyl sounds better, like better fidelity, but I don't think it's too much of a difference on colored vinyl. It really depends, like, on on the people who press it and master it and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of a lot of different things that go into it. Preparing for this episode, because I saw you ask this question in our little document, I, I did a little bit of reading on it because I was curious and I wanted to know. The conclusion I found and could come up with was that it doesn't matter, really. Uh, what happened is it's probably a different pressing technique. I guess there's two main kinds of technique, one in which... You know, it's pressed as normal and it's even all the way to the center. And I guess there's more expensive kinds of prints that can dynamically change the spacing between tracks or something like that mm -hmm. to fit more on the record. But it doesn't really affect sound. Okay, that's too bad. So my, my guess is it's just one company was in charge of X, the other in charge of Y, and they use different machines. Yeah, That's my guess. That sounds likely to me. There's always been this hope. So I think everybody is, well, I don't know why I say that, but uh, many people are probably aware of the fact that the albums, you know, the Baby Metal original album and Metal Resistance have just a really, really small dynamic range. <laughs> they're, yes. they're pushed as high up as they can go. Um, and I've seen, you know, some waveforms of, of the you know, the vinyl, the vinyl versions of at least, I don't maybe, maybe of both that make it seem like they have a little bit more dynamic range. But of course, I don't know if that's true. Some of that might be noise. Um, I, I kind of think that someone checked into it and didn't really re in reality find that the vinyl was much better. Uh, um, but there's always this hope that we're going to somehow find, find a way to back out <laughs> some of that, that, uh, you know, crushed to the ceiling. I think that has to do with more with metals mixing in general but funny oh, enough sure. yeah. I, I do have metal resistance on vinyl and it has two records so it's that would that would increase the sound but I don't know why like they could easily just press it on one record it wouldn't make too much difference yeah I don't know what the I don't know what would make that decision for them but but yeah I mean I think I it's funny I actually almost never listened to the studio uh you know versions of anything uh and even though i sort of feel like i would i would mildly object to the idea of remastering the existing things uh just just because it does it does not feel like a useful use of time um i would really kind of love to have those albums with something with an appropriate dynamic range <laughs> so sure anyway 
Anything else anyone wanted to put on the uh, the vinyl topic? I just bought it. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> There's proof in the chat. Oh, yes, I see. <laughs> Perfect. Well, so by the time we record again, uh, I'm sure you will have a review. Do you yeah, have a way to play this? Yes. now on the stage? Yeah, I have a record player. Yeah, that's cool. I I don't. Uh, I have, I, by now, it, probably a third of the vinyl that I own is baby metal vinyl at this point, yeah, and I don't yeah. have... <laughs> For real, though, it's going to be played once on each side, and then I'm going to immediately hang it up in a frame on my wall. And it's never going to leave that spot either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were having a... In, in one of the discords, uh, we were having a a chat about the... Like the... Uh, what do you call them? The mini arrows? The little guitars and things. Yeah, yeah I want one of those so bad. And, you know, it's, it's sort of like... It's the same sort of thing. You, you get the record to put on the wall. You get the guitar to put on the wall, you know, yeah. even though it's a perfectly functional <laughs> record or guitar. I actually met someone at the festival. He was behind me the whole time. In fact, someone posted a picture and he's in it. But uh, it was a guy called Kieran and he's like a pure metalhead. Metal head. And um, I asked him if he had one. And he said yes. And he showed me a video of him like doing like Judas Priest covers. And then he also he had videos of him like he had a he has a banjo and he was doing like babe metal covers. It was hilarious. Yeah. I don't know. Merch. I don't know about merch. All these things, a lot of these things are things you could use. They're stickers or there's candles or guitars or things like that. And, and it just feels wrong to use them. And yet it feels wrong not to. And so yeah. <laughs> so you just have to buy two of everything. Oof. <laughs> exactly. I wear my shirts. I listen to my records. Yeah, <laughs> I can, I can respect that. I don't really think that I'm likely to ever sell the things that I have. So it seems reasonable that if, you know, if, if I was trying to keep them pristine just so that I could pass them on someday, uh, that's kind of dumb. Well, it's either... <laughs> For me, at least. <laughs> it's either you're a collector or, you, you know, you're a music lover and you like playing music. That's kind of the idea of it. Yeah. LTD, actually, no, ESP, they actually make, like, the actual model without all the baby metal decals or anything on it, like a full-size guitar. Ah, that's the exact same, just without the baby metal stickers. Probably costs a third as much too. Uh, yeah, well, it's like a little <laughs> over a thousand, I believe. But I'm actually considering it. Yeah, it's sort of tempting. I have, I you know, I have a different guitar, but um, so I wouldn't need this in order to be able to play guitar. But uh, and you know, honestly, I can't, I can't imagine any context where I would take that out in public and play it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'd I'd tour with it. Why not? Yeah. Okay. So, not long ago, since the last recording, at least, it was November 28th, 2018, which was the 8th anniversary of Baby Metal's first live performance in the uh, Sakura Gakuin Festival 2010, uh, which is uh, with the footage for which is part of the Smile docu- documentary on the uh, Smile DVD. It's, it's actually kind of cool to watch that, too. You know, the choreography is the same but they're so much younger it's fun yeah plus you get the false start <laughs> yeah it's um it's worth doing it's worth you know going back and taking a look at that and it's pretty it's neat that it's eight years it's uh it means that you know it's gonna be 10 not too far into the future yeah one kind of wonders if anything will be will come of that it's i mean it's also going to be the 10th anniversary for sakura gakuin itself which I'm kind of hopeful for. 
I've kind of decided, or at least in my mind, I've decided uh, that we aren't going to spend a lot of time talking about them here, except in the future we have a we have kind of a what is likely to be kind of a news void coming up. Uh, there was also uh, Heroban magazine uh, had volume twenty came out. It's a commemorative issue. It was released on December sixth, so quite recently. It has arrived in my Tenso, you know, warehouse, but I haven't seen it yet. Um, maybe uh, does do any of you know anything about it? Uh, it's it's by the way, I should maybe finish that thought. It was, uh, it's basically a you know, it's it's a commemorative issue for the magazine Hedoban, but um, it actually is, has something about baby metal, you know, probably I think talking about the Japan shows. Yeah, I don't know what's going to be in it or anything about it other than that it exists. Yeah, I looked around a little bit to see if anyone had, you know, sort of surreptitiously taken photos of the pages or whatever, but uh, but they haven't. So at some point I'll have to get this shipped to me. Probably soon. Or it'll get stuck in the holiday mail, but okay. Maybe I will just make a quick note. Uh, again, we are mostly, I think, going to try to make the, you know, corral the graphic novel discussions into a single episode that you can skip if you want to. Uh, but I will just mention that uh, GMB, Chomichuk, and, and Z2 Comics did a Reddit AMA. So, and that was pretty thorough. We'll talk later about like what was in it, uh, and I think it's, I I actually can't remember to what extent it is spoilery, but I think it is. So like if you really want to stay away from spoiling anything and haven't read it yet, you know, read the Reddit AMA later. Uh, ask me anything. That's what that means. Yeah, there were definitely spoilers in the AMA. All right, uh, I think we're getting to be uh kind of late on time here, so. Uh, does anybody, uh, except for Garrett, whose bird is singing, <laughs> have something they want to say? <laughs> Go see um, Babe Metal. Yeah. Yes. Go and see them. <laughs> I, I'm prepared to fly across the country the next tour they do. Mm -hmm. I did California to Texas this year. It was totally worth it. Uh, the good thing is I live pretty in the, like, in the central United States, so I can go just about anywhere for the same price. Oh. Give or take. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, that that's potentially one reason one could select Kansas City as a as a starting point. It is it is very close to the actual geographic center of the U.S. Yes, I live. <laughs> yes, it even, is. I live even closer to it. That's the funny thing. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, this summer I flew, uh, and that's fine. I I, I did. It was kind of dumb in retro in kind of thinking back on it. I know that when the Kansas City show was about to happen, I was kind of kicking myself for not going to that one because if I'm flying, it doesn't matter where I'm going. Yeah, but, yeah, absolutely. But honestly, uh, I wish I would have rather went to the one of the later shows instead of the Kansas City one. Just for the like, I felt like the atmosphere was off a little bit from the first half of the show. I would have. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Well, I mean. Oh, I you know I also so I had the same kind of feeling that I was mentioning I guess with the Australia shows too that they regardless of how much they practice and warm up and all that stuff I really it really does seem like they they improve date to date you know like they they sort of hit their stride oh totally um so yeah so I can see I can see why they're you know that could be Kansas City was just a nervous time for everybody involved uh as well yes so uh i mean in 
in retrospect, I'm just as happy that I went to a later one. But I know that when Kansas City hadn't yet happened, I was I was thinking, why was I? Why did I just pick a short flight? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just happy that it all ended on a happy note. Yes. Yeah. I agree. No. Yeah, after the start to the year the band has had, I don't think it could have ended any better. It, well, within reason. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I I am much more optimistic than I have been for a long time, and it feels like everyone around me is also. Yeah, I agree. So, so that's good. So I guess uh, we'll see. I mean, I, as I mentioned, I guess there's no... There's nothing announced. Uh, Sue's birthday is coming up on the 20th, uh, and we expect there'll be a tweet, <laughs> you know? But uh, I don't know if that counts as news exactly. Uh, who knows? Maybe we'll get a picture again. Who knows? Yeah. There was... I don't even know if I should mention this, but uh, apparently after the Brisbane show, there was a... People people saw... Uh, I don't know what it was, like a at a koala park or something, um, that... At least Sue was spotted there. Um, I think Ooh. that's... Yeah. Ooh, all the, uh, Moa, all Ooh. the Moa fans are going to thinking hard right now. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I suspect, uh, you know, from what I understand, it was uh, sort of an, a family outing, and it's, you know, I suspect we may never even see any evidence of this, but, uh, but it's still... Uh, it's kind of nice that there was... It sounds like there was a little bit of chance to do tourism while they were there, but... And hopefully they didn't yeah, get a chance to Japan. hug koalas. Uh, I th I the the uh, it, uh, allegedly Sue got a chance to hold a koala for sure, but anyway, that's the rumor on the street. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Uh, anyone want to say any get anything else in here before I close this down? No, that's it for me. I'm done. All right. So I guess that is it for this episode. Uh, you can join us on the Baby Metal Podcast Discord to continue this conversation. And rating the podcast on whatever platform you listen to it on will help people find it, so please do that if you can. Uh, we'll be back here in something kind of like two weeks, we believe, uh, and we hope you'll join us when we're back. And until then, see you.